This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good morning, everybody. Oh, that sounded like somebody. Good morning, everybody. Oh, there we go. That sounds like more people than it is in here. So look, we're going to begin. Uh, my name is Pastor Taurus Montgomery. I serve as the pastor of Harbor of Hope Seventh Adventist Church located in Benton Harbor, Michigan. And I am delighted uh, that you have uh, come to this place. I believe God led you here. And I pray that something that I share will be of an encouragement uh, to you and your walk with the Lord, particularly as it deals with uh, victory over sin and how to overcome addictions. All right. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the very first uh, time, uh, just a, a very quick recap. We looked at addiction uh, and uh, we kind of dealt with some signs of addiction. Uh, we gave a definition of addiction and uh, concluded that, you know, ultimately addiction uh, is anything that it, it could be a substance, it could be an activity, or it can be a state of mind that becomes a person's, uh, the center of their life, right? You focus on it, it's all you do, it's all you think about, it consumes you. Uh, so much so that even when this particular thing has bad consequences, we keep on doing it, which leads us to further estrangement from God, all right? And addiction can be food, it can be uh, drug, of course. It can be alcohol. It can be sports. It can be a variety of things, any substance, activity, or state of mind that replaces Christ as the Lord and center of our lives. And so we want to avoid those things at all costs. Amen. All right. Now, uh, I'm going to share with you in this presentation uh, more of a personal, uh, from on, on a personal level, um, how How addictions, uh, let me see here, sorry about that. Uh-oh. Amen. Uh, so I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you on a more personal level uh, about addictions and overcoming addictions and the power uh, that sets us free. All right. So I want to invite you to bow your heads and pray with me uh, as we begin. Father in heaven, we're grateful again for the opportunity to uh, open up your word. We're going to be looking at some scriptures today, Lord, that deals with overcoming addiction, Lord. And God, I pray and I ask that as you have set me free in my own personal life and as I share from that experience, that it will encourage and inspire and motivate someone else, Lord, to more fully surrender their hearts to you. Give us understanding where we need it. And Lord, I know that nothing that I say in and of itself will bring about any change or transformation in the life of your people without the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. So come now, Lord, and speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Addictions transform people's lives. I have a video here of two individuals that demonstrate or illustrate 
that statement. Watch this. It's a young girl for 10 years addicted to heroin. It's a gentleman. Six years. Transformation. If it was up to the devil, if it was left up to him, that would happen to every person in this room. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, this is a picture of me when I was I'm, uh, number 33, uh, the really big, bulky, strong guy on there on the picture. Uh, I was a senior in high school uh, in this picture, and uh, I didn't grow up a Seventh-day Adventist. I didn't grow up Christian, uh, anything like that. Um, and when I was, when I was uh, here, you know, I, I was dedicated to, to, to the game of basketball. I loved the game of basketball so much. It was my pride and joy. It was my, I really had an addiction to it, if you want to, uh, uh, just to be honest about it. But I remember when I was in the uh, 12th grade, I was in 12th grade, and I had this problem. Uh, and it was a problem that I, I struggled with for, uh, for about seven years. I started smoking marijuana when I was 12 years old. And from 12 to 19, smoking, drinking, partying, robbing, stealing, you know, one thing leads to another. Uh, and, and, and this was the lifestyle that I was living, okay? I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and my environment wasn't conducive to uh, 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 moral principles, okay? And this was the lifestyle that I was living. And so in order to, to kind of escape my, my reality, I turned to the game of, of basketball, and I'll show you why just in a, in, in a second. But I turned to the game of basketball, I turned to sports, not just basketball, but football. Uh, I saw it as my, my ticket or my way out of my living environment, my living situation, my environment. Uh, it was what I needed in order to survive. I had to make it to the NBA. I had to make it professional sports because professional sports, they make a whole lot of money, and they don't have to live uh, in the type of neighborhood that I grew up in. All right. So basketball, however, came something more than just a sport. It became a coping mechanism. One of the reasons why people get addicted to certain things is because they're looking for a way to cope with their present problems and circumstances and situations. So I turned to the game of basketball. So if I found myself sad, you could, you could, you could, you could find me 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night at the basketball court down the street from my house because I'm mad at my father for what he hasn't done and said he was going to do, or I'm mad at somebody for anything. I'm looking for a way to cope. And so I turned to the game of basketball. And some of you sitting here right now, uh, you may know someone, or you yourself may be struggling with a particular addiction, and you find yourself going to it, especially when you are trying to cope with something. For me, it was this particular sport. Now, I recall one day, talking about the power of addiction, I recall one day uh, my brother and I making a pack, if you will. You know, you do the little pack, the little pinky ring thing, I promise, pinky promise. Well, we made this decision that uh, I wasn't going to, we weren't going to party, we weren't going to smoke, we weren't going to drink during uh, the basketball season because we wanted to be an optimal 
we, we want it to have peak performance, all right? If I'm smoking, then it's going to slow me down when I'm running in the game. If I'm drinking, it's going to make me all lackadaisical, and uh, I'll be sweating alcohol when I'm out on the court playing, and I don't want to do that. So we made this pact, this decision. Now, I'm not a Christian at the time. We made this pact, we made this decision that, hey, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to stop. Now, my brother, he was very successful at that. Very strong-willed person, younger brother, very strong-willed person. Now, me, on the other hand, one day we were, uh, one day we were sitting outside of the house, and my brother, he left to go to the grocery, the little corner store. He's going to pick up a little juice and some chips or something like that. And I'm sitting down uh, outside on the lawn, and I'm uh, on the grass, on a bucket, and I'm reading my, he's doing his, he was doing his homework. I was reading a basketball magazine, right? Me and my brother, two different opposite people. Okay, and, and, and so he says, look, I'm getting ready to run to the store really quick uh, to buy something. Do you want something to eat? I'll bring you, I'll bring, yeah, bring me some chips, bring me a juice or what have you. So he goes off. The store is about 10 minutes away, 10 minute walk. I'm sitting there and a friend of mine comes by. And this friend of mine, he has this little brown stick in his hand and I can smell it from 100 feet away. And when I see him, and when he see me, and I see him pulling this up to his mouth, and he's blowing the smoke, I know immediately what it is. And something within me says, ask him for a hit. Now, my brother comes to my mind, because we've made this little pinky swear kind of thing. We've made this decision, and I'm going to show you why we made this decision. We've made this decision that we're not going to smoke, we're not going to drink, we're not going to party, we're not going to do these things because the basketball season is important and we have to make it to the next level. He keeps his commitment. He honors his commitment. Me, on the other hand, when this temptation, I didn't know anything about temptation. I wasn't a Christian. When this temptation is placed before me, there was something that drew me. There was this pull that made it extremely difficult for me to deny. Can I pause real quick? There are some of us who are sitting here right now who know exactly what I'm talking about when it talks about a pool. That pool for you could be food. That pool for you could be a, a, a certain TV show. That pool for, pool for you could be pornography. But there, 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 was, there was this pool that I could not resist. And so I called my friend, or rather I walked over to my friend. I dapped him up. Hey, man, what's up? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, let me get a hit. And so I find myself breaking my covenant, breaking my promise, breaking my commitment, and I'm puffing, I'm puffing, and I'm smoking marijuana again. I'd have resisted for a couple of, a couple of weeks, probably even a month or so. But when that, when, that, when that temptation came, when I smelled the smoke, it made it all the more difficult. Now, 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 I leave from him, and then I go, and I sit back down, and I pick up my Slam magazine, this basketball book that I'm reading, and I'm feeling embarrassed. I'm feeling uh, I, I, I'm terrible. Uh, I, I'm a terrible person. I'm weak. How in the world could I do this? Now, now, now mind you, my brother, my, bro, my, my younger brother, two years younger than me, he, he's serious. About his commitment. I'm going to show you why and the reason. He's serious about his commitment. And now I'm waiting for those chips and juice to come back. 
but I'm fearful because I know that my brother is going to be disappointed. Tight relationship. Love him more than any, any, any other person in the world. At the time, I'm married, now I got three children. <laughs> I see him approaching in a distance. My heart is racing. I'm looking down at my book. I don't want to look up at him. He may see my eyes being a little red, or, or he may smell the smoke on me. I, I, I'm just kind of, all this stuff is going through my mind. So when he comes to me now, I'm sitting down on a stool, uh, on a bucket rather. When he comes to me now, I got my head down and I hold my hand up like this for my juice. And then he, he, he puts the juice in one hand and he puts the uh, potato chips in the other hand. And I grab it and, I'm, and, I, and, and he walks away. He turns, he, he, you know, he turns his back to go on and, you know, whatever he was doing. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, great, he didn't smell it. He doesn't know. And then he, he, as he walks away, uh, and then he turns around. And he stands over top of me and he has tears in his eyes and he cries and says, Taurus. He's yelling at the top of his lungs. He says, Taurus, how could you, man? We made a commitment to this. You, 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 you know the problem. You know what our house looks like. You know this environment. You said that you would stop. How could you? How could you? As I reflect, hear me, as I reflect upon that moment, I've come to realize as a Christian that willpower to overcome addiction is not enough. No matter how hard you say, oh, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. You cannot stop on your own. It is impossible to overcome the sinful nature that we have inherited from Adam by ourselves. My brother and that incident taught me that day that the only way that I'm ever going to be set free is if I do like uh, Natasha said on last night, I got to lean on Jesus and lean hard. Let me tell you something. Addictions are powerful because addictions are rooted in sin. And sin is very powerful. And we're going to talk about how that power, however, has been broken. So now, 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 hear me now, hear me now, hear me now. I tell you that story because I want somebody to know today that self-help, is a Christian form of legalism. You know, God help those who help themselves. That's, 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 the, the Bible doesn't teach that. When it comes to overcoming sin, are you hearing what I'm saying? It's one thing to say, hey, God helps those who help themselves. It's one thing to say, look, I need a job. God, I need a job. I'm just going to pray for a job. I'm not going to put in, I'm not going to fill out no job applications. 
I just need McDonald's or Walmart or, 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 or IBM or who I, I just need them to come knock on my door, Jesus. Well, that's a different story. But when you're talking about overcoming the power of sin in your life, listen, there is absolutely nothing that you can do to defeat the power of sin in your life. It takes a greater power outside of us. And the only thing that we have, the only thing we can do is choose. That's the only thing you can do. Is choose, and I'm going to show you how to choose in just a minute. All right, now, 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 let's keep going. Let's keep going. Uh, I, want to, I, want, I want to share with you now some factors surrounding my addiction, all right? And these are factors may, that may be surrounding your addiction or that person that you love addictions as well. And these things have to be considered. Notice this, found in Mind, Character, Personality, page 146, uh, volume one. Angels are ever present with those who have the hardest battles to fight. Who's what? Home surroundings are the most discouraging. I love God so much. Hey, man, I love God. Because, you know, the Bible says that he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. In other words, God knows our circumstances. He knows our surroundings. He, 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 takes, all, he takes into consideration where you were brought up, who your parents were, what they did and what they didn't do. That doesn't mean that he leaves excuses for you or he makes excuses for you because, in fact, there are no excuses for sin. Come on, say amen. amen. No excuses for it when you have the cross. No excuses for it. But God takes these things into consideration so much so that angels are ever present with those who have the hardest battles to fight, whose home surroundings are the most discouraging. Now, this is what I mean by that. See, 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 this is my house. This is where I grew up at. So I grew up at. So this is what you got to understand. The, 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 the gravity of, of, of me and my brother's decision to say, hey, look, we're going to use a game of basketball to get us out of this slum. It's a serious, it's a serious commitment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it, 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 it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't some some pipe dream. It wasn't some uh, uh, it wasn't some, some something that was impossible for us to accomplish. A part of him snapping on me and going off on me the way that he did. You know, he said, look, 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 you every he's you have what it actually takes to make it to the next level. This is my little brother coaching me now. He says, he, 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 oh, man, he just started spilling out his guts, just sharing all kinds of things that I didn't know that he even thought about me. So it wasn't, it wasn't some, some pipe dream that we had. No, it was, hey, look, if we don't do something, and see, my environment says the only way that you get out of this is not education, but it's basketball, football, sports, or entertainment, something like that. That's, that's what my environment taught me. So we're locked in on, we're trying to lock in on playing professional sports so that my house can not, no longer look like this, right? So this, 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 this is the living room, you know, uh, that, 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 that's my house. Let me take you to the kitchen. Take you to the, we're, doing the, we're doing the tour right now, HGTV, Pastor Tora style. <laughs> okay, so this right here on the left-hand side is the kitchen. You know, we got the Cheerio box, they have the Cheerios. And uh, you see, up, you see up, the, up, up, up top right there, do we have a clicker on? I mean, look, yeah, up top right here, you got the wood showing. That's for, like, aesthetic purposes. No, I'm just kidding. 
So th- th- this was this was this was my house, and, and it's, this is the house I grew up in. You know, rats and roaches and that kind of thing. I remember one night coming down, you know, uh, coming downstairs, uh, and you know the, uh, the lights was off, trying to get me a little midnight snack or whatever. And uh, you know, I turned on the light, and uh, there was these you know, these, these rats. Uh, you know, they were making a sandwich. You know, I come to I come to I come to to to, to eat. You know, get me a little sandwich, and they end up, they making they got the bread, making them a sandwich. You know, looking at me like you know, what, why are you disturbing us? <laughs> that was that was that was that, that that was my environment. And see, see, I I I have to I had to laugh at it to keep from really going crazy. I, re- I, I really had to do that. We really had to do that because, uh, because otherwise I, I, I should have been worse than I was. Should have been worse than I was. Now, yeah, uh, uh, I, I smoked, I drank, I partied, I stole from people, I robbed people, I did all kind of foolishness. But, but trust me, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. That's why I'm so glad that, that, that the spirit of prophecy just said that angels. Let me go back to it. Let me go back to it. Maybe you missed it the first time. Let me go back to it. Let me go back to it. Angels are ever present with those who have the hardest battles to fight, whose home surroundings are the most discouraging. Had it not been for angels being present, even when I did not know it, it would have been worse. And see, 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 home surroundings is not, is, is, is not just, is not just the physical location of your house. It's not just your, your living room or your, 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 your kitchen or your, your bedroom. It's, it, it, it's not just that. It gets a little bit deeper. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Well, let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. I showed you the kitchen. This is my closet right here. This is my brother laying down right here. So my brother laying down right here in his room. See, see, see the burn marks and all that kind of stuff. I'll get to that. I'll get to that a little bit later. All right. Fact is surrounding addition. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Some have a have had a quick tempered. What? What's that word? Transmitted. Huh? Some have had a quick temper transmitted to them and their education in childhood has not taught them, what's that word? Self-control. We're not just talking about a physical environment, but we're talking about the kind of theological or lack thereof upbringing that you had as a child and the impact that that has had on your life, yea, even your addictions. With this fiery temper, envy and jealousy are frequently united. Here's another one. Here's another one. Our ancestors have bequeathed. What does that mean? Passed down. Here you go. What are you giving? What, what, what are you saying? Here you go. What, what, what are you giving me? Customs and appetites which are filling the world with what everybody? Disease. The sins of the parents through perverted appetite are with fearful power visited upon the children to the third and fourth generation. See, some of the things that you struggle with or you may be addicted to, some of it really isn't your fault per se. 
That's not to excuse you from it because you have a choice to make. But it is to say, however, that the problem really didn't start with you. Let me just, let me just, let me just, you know, uh, 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 you know, when you, when you are in the world, when you grew up, you know, I, I grew up, I, I didn't grow up a Christian home. So, so, so alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, uh, fornication, sports, yeah, you, you, you name it, you know, th- 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 those kinds of things, those kinds of things uh, were things that I was, was, was addicted to. I didn't see it as addiction. It's just normal. This is just what you do. However, 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 as I got older and when I became a Christian, I began to put two and two together, my environment, my upbringing, and my ancestors. And so you have to, you have to, you have to look at who your parents are and, you, and what they did and so on and so forth. Now, watch this. I just started, I just started doing the math. My grandfather, my grandfather had 14 children. It's a lot of kids. Right? He had 10 boys and four girls. Okay, so I'm a male, so let me look at my uncles. All right? My uncles, all 10 of them, this is, this is terrible. That's all right. My life is an open book, y'all. I can tell you my issues. I'm, I'm never, never in a braggadocious way. You never hear me talking about, you never hear me bragging about sin, okay? I'm just telling you like it is, all right? My life is an open book, and I've said that before the Lord, uh, and that's how he's kind of led me in my life to be an open book. Look, you, when you see me, what you see is what you get, all right? I'm going to tell you my dirty business, but it's all for the glory of God. Let you know that you can be delivered, all right? Amen. You can be delivered. Listen, listen, listen. My, 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 my ten uncles... All have at least two different what they call baby mamas. Okay, all right, those are my uncles. Okay, my daddy has six different baby mamas. All right, I think it's nine of us. I think. So 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 so. Now, hear me now. So, as a young man who is not in Christ, uh, 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 fornication is natural. In fact, it's not even fornication to me at the time. It's what young men do. Now, I'm going somewhere with this because, because, because when I give my heart to Jesus... When I give my heart to Jesus and I say, Lord, take me as I am. Father, please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I soon discovered that my lifestyle of sin still had things creeping into my lifestyle as a Christian. So, so, so for example, when I look at my surroundings, and when I look at my ancestry, my family line, it's no surprise that pornography becomes a stronghold in my Christian life. Let me bring that home. If you are struggling with pornography, male or female, 
Because women, it's a problem with women as well, not just men. It's a problem with women as well. If you find that struggle taking place in your life, look at your surroundings, your upbringing, and the fact that your parents may have practiced the same thing. Now, they, not, not a lot of times they're not going to tell you. And I, I personally think that, that that's a problem, especially when you get of age. I think that's a problem. Because pornography is not something that we are open about and honest about in the church. Amen, light bulbs. So, 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 let's, let's, let's keep on going now. So let's keep on going. So like I said, you know, so it became easy. It became easy for me. Now watch this. You know, I, I'm smiling on that picture. I'm, like, I'm looking like I'm having fun. But mind you, the house that I'm living in looks like what it looks like. So to me, this is a coping mechanism. The smoking, the partying, the drinking, it's a coping mechanism. It's the way that I deal with my problems, the way that I deal with my issues, the way I deal with my, with my insecurities. And so I needed, I needed, I needed to be, I needed to be set free. I needed some, I needed Jesus in my heart. I didn't know I needed Jesus in my heart. And uh, one, one day, the, the, the best thing happened in my life, my house burned down. That was the greatest moment in my life, folks. Now, some of y'all looking at me like, how in the world your house burning down going to be the greatest thing in your life? Well, let me tell you what happened. See, 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 see. The reason why it was the greatest thing that ever happened in my life is because, because when my house burned down, uh, I needed a place to stay. Me and my mother and my two younger brothers, uh, we needed somewhere to stay. First of all, I thank God because it burned while we were there, while I was sleeping. And my, my, my little, I was 16 years old when this happened. My little brother came knocking on the door saying, hey, you know, Taurus, Taurus, wake up like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. The house is on fire. The house is on fire. Wake up, wake up, wake up. So I jump out of the bed. It's cold outside. November the 7th, 1997. It's cold outside. And, and we're standing on the sidewalk and we're just watching this place that we call our home uh, go up in flames. And now we're homeless. Need a place to live. And the reason why this becomes the greatest and most significant moment in my life is because when our house burned down and we needed a place to stay, we bounced around from one house to another, different family members letting us stay for a day here, a day there, a day here, a day there. And then finally, someone that my mother went to school with back in high school uh, said, look, you guys can come and you guys can live with us. And guess what, folks? These people were seven-day Adventist Christians. And they opened their home to us. And as a result, you know, this is the family right here. As a result, you know, I learned about this school called Oakwood University. Well, it was college then. And I just felt, uh, uh, you know, I, living with them had an impact on my life, had an impact on my brother's life. My, my younger brother, he gave his heart to Jesus when he was 15 years old. And it made a real powerful change in his life. And God began to use him to influence me. And so I made that same decision February 1st, 2001. And I felt this crazy call of God on my life to just tell everybody I can see about Jesus. So I went to school and I went to, went to the seminary and so on and so forth. And so now, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm standing before you right now at GYC because my house caught on fire. Now, I want you to, I want you to stay with me now. When I give my life to Jesus, 
I have, I have this, I have this, 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 this past that by the grace of God has been forgiven. But I want you to notice this quote. To remove the what? Stains of sin requires the work of what? Of a lifetime. Uh-oh. Every day. Say that word with me. Oh, you didn't say it like you mean it. Every single day. Renewed efforts in restraining and denying self are needed. Every day there are new battles to fight and victories to be gained. Every day the soul should be the, the, the soul should be called out in earnest, pleaded with God for the mighty victories of what everybody of the cross. Now, 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 what, 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 what does this mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, first of all, I feel like I'm in bondage already, being tied to this thing right here. I feel like just, Lord, have mercy. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best, okay? I'm trying my best to stay with this microphone, not run out there and talk to you. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. The moment I need to illustrate. See, I can't even illustrate stuff. I need, I need to illustrate this, man. Can, can, can I get your help for a second? Come on, come on. You, you get the notes. I, I, I give you the whole PowerPoint, all right? Stay right there for me. Stay right there for me. Okay, I need somebody else. Uh, I need another gentleman because I'm going to be moving you around. Okay, there you go. All right, if you, if you can stand over here. If you can stand over here. You can stand just over here, just a little bit right there. All right, cool. Okay. Okay, now I'm going to have to talk really loud. Can you turn the mic up a little bit? And talk real loud because I know I, I, I need to move. <laughs> All right, so listen. So listen. So this is, tell me your name. Levi. Levi. Everybody say hi, Levi. Hi, Levi. And this is David. We got Levi. We got some biblical names up here. <laughs> Y'all some holy men, all right? So we got Levi and we got David. Okay? Now, 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 now. David, rep- I'm sorry, Levi uh, uh, represents uh, life before Jesus. All right? He represents life before Jesus, life before Christ, okay? And in his life, I'm just using him as an example. Today, your name Taurus before Christ, all right? You passed the Torah before Christ, all right? You passed the Torah after Christ. You with me? Okay, you okay with that? All right, you don't want to be this guy here. You good, okay. So now, watch this, watch this. This Torah right here, this, this, this person, place yourself there as well. This person here is, 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 is living a life of sin, all right? Drugs, alcohol, pornography, we know that it's not real David, all right? I mean, not the real Levi, I'm just, you, illustration. Okay, with the illustration. All right. So, so, so now watch this. Watch this. He is a, uh, uh, he's living a life of sin. He's doing whatever he wants to do. He's not under the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. Okay? But then he comes to the cross. Right? He comes to the cross. You come to the cross now. All right? He comes to the cross, and he kneels before the cross. You don't have to kneel, but he, he comes to the cross, and he surrenders his heart to Jesus. He said, Lord, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Okay? Now, what has happened over here to this life? It died. Okay? Now, if it died, then why is it now that this is the new day, this, this is the new Pastor Taurus, why is it, come on, why is it that he's still struggling with pornography? Why is it that he's still struggling with food addiction? 
Why is it that he's still struggling? It's still hard. It's a hard thing for him to overcome uh, uh, his addiction to applause. Why is that? Talk, talk, to, talk to me now. Why is it? The tendencies are still there. Okay. Now, if he died, why is the tendency still there? We're not going to be perfect. Ooh, we. She said, be, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Even though our old self died, the devil still what? He still knows our sins and he tempts us with them, okay? What else? Yes, yes, ma'am. Okay, now, very good, very good. And I'm glad that we all said that because, watch this. The fact that we have died, if we, 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 we'll talk about this in the third presentation. I want you to come back for that. Uh, uh, the fact, the fact that, that, that we have died with Christ when we were buried with him, Romans chapter 6, we'll deal with that in the next, in the next presentation, part 3. The fact that that has happened means that we can no longer, the, the, the power of sin has been broken. But the remnants of sin or the stain of sin remains present in our lives. For, thir- for, for 19 years, I was 19 years old when I gave my life to Christ. For 19 years, I had been accustomed to making basketball the priority in my life. I had been accustomed to trying to drown out my fears and my insecurities with alcohol. I had become accustomed to uh, fornication and pornography. I had been accustomed to that. And that stains the soul. So that even when I come to Christ... They are still, those stains are still there. However, the power, hear me now, the, the power that used to control me and rule me is no longer more powerful because of the cross breaking that power. Does that make sense to you? All right, you can sit down, brother. You can sit down. Thank you so much. Now, now, now. Uh, 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 let, 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 me, let, me, let me keep on going. Let me keep on going. Now, watch this. Watch this. Steps of Christ, page 47 says, look, you desire to give yourself to him, but you are weak in moral power and slavery to doubt and controlled by the habits of your life of sin. You promise your promises and resolutions are like the ropes of sand. Man, anybody ever try to climb a rope of sand? Not going to get too far. You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. The knowledge of your broken promises and forfeited pledges weakens your confidence in your own sincerity and causes you to feel that God cannot accept you. Is there anybody in this room like this today? You've made promise after promise. It's New Year's Day. And you've made these, you made these, what's that word? Resolutions. That you can't keep. I said to my brother, I said, man, look, I'm not, it's basketball season. I'm not going to smoke. Ooh, by hook or crook, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to drink. 
Lo and behold, a month go by. And I found myself right back into the same thing I said I wasn't going to do. When it comes to the Christian life, listen, what gets me on this is that the knowledge of your broken promises and forfeited pleasures weaken your confidence in your own in your own sincerity. So much so that, man, you, you said you were going to stop looking at pornography and you find yourself doing it again. And so now because you know that you said that you did what you said you weren't going to do, now you feel like you're a hopeless situation. And when that happens over and over and over and over and over again in your life, you find yourself feeling like a victim. There's no way that I can do this. Oh, man, I think our GYC started on the right note last night because the reality is you can't. On your own, on my own, I can't. But there's hope. The very next line says, but you need not despair. You need not despair. Why? Because the new, what you need to understand, however, is the nature of the struggle with sin and the true force of the will. What do you mean by that? Well, let's talk about the nature of the struggle with sin. And let's go. We got 10 minutes left. Romans chapter 7, verse 14 to 25, understanding the struggle with sin. Now, this passage right here really defines, well, really, really uh, kind of uh, illustrates this struggle that we have with sin better than any other passage in all of Scripture. Watch this. Very familiar. Romans chapter uh, 7, beginning with verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a what? As a slave to sin. Slave to sin. He says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Man, man, man. Anybody ever been there? And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. I agree, listen, that God's commandments, I agree that God's standards, I agree that God's word is good. I agree with that. The problem is, I want to do it, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I don't want to do. Are you confused yet? Paul is, he's, he's describing this struggle that takes place. And scholars argue as to whether or not this is pre-conversion or if it's, this is uh, a post-Paul's conversion. Uh, the reality is it applies to both. Because before I gave my life to Jesus, in fact, before I gave my life to Jesus, I wasn't wrestling with nothing except for that one particular time. As to whether or not I should stop smoking because it's basketball season and I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. Uh, you know, that, that, that whole confusion. And then even as I've come to Christ, I found this same struggle taking place in my life as well. He goes on to say, he goes on to say, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Uh oh, now, wait a minute, Paul. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Paul says, look, it is not it's not me who do it, but sin living in me. Is Paul giving us a way of escape? Of course not. He's simply expressing a reality. 
and the reality of sin. He goes on to say, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. Nothing good dwells within my sinful nature. And one of the things, watch me now, one of the things that, 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 that we have to be very, very careful of is this idea of, of there's something good within us. And we can change ourselves and we are the captain of our ship and all that kind of foolishness. The whole self-help movement. Anybody familiar with that? Not self-help, but Christ's help. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sinful nature for I have the desire to do what is good but I cannot carry it out for I do not do the good I want to do but the evil I do not want to do this I keep on doing now if I do what I do not want to do it is no longer I who do it but it is sin living in me that does it and then he goes on to say so I find this law at work this principle this battle that's taking place Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. It's right there with me. Um, you ever seen the commercial with the little angel on one side and the, the good angel and the bad angel over here? And you had this argument going on back and forth. That's this law that Paul is talking about, this principle of battle between good and evil. I know I'm not supposed to click on this website. I know what's going to happen on the other side of it. I know but there's this battle that's raging in my mind that's telling me to do it. Paul goes on, he says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Now, when I first read this, I thought wretched man, you know, I'm a sinful person. What a sinful person I am. He's not talking about that. Wretched is another word for miserable. This battle, this war that is taking place between good and evil that is at work in our lives, if we don't fully understand it or how to escape it, it will make you miserable. I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've struggled with pornography as a Christian. I've struggled with pornography so much so that I'm, I'm, I'm miserable about it. Is it really possible for God to deliver me from this thing? I know he delivered me from alcohol. I've never had a taste for it and never tasted it from the day that I gave my life to Jesus. I, I, I know that he can deliver me from marijuana. I, I know he can deliver me from, from all these other things that I've been delivered from. But, but why God? Am I still struggling with this particular thing? Is this impossible? Absolutely not. It's not impossible because, again, what God did for us, what this passage reveals to us is that there is a limitation of diagnosis. We're wrapping this up right now. There's a limitation of diagnosis. In other words, Paul can identify the problem, but he can't provide a cure. The human beings can identify the problem, but we can't provide a cure. In and of ourselves. Uh, the, human the limitation of human knowledge. It's one thing to know something. Paul says, I know what I'm supposed to do. And if knowing was all it was, oh man, we'd all be in heaven today. It's one thing to know how to play golf. But it's another thing to be actually, actually be able to hit the ball. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's one thing to know something, but it's something totally different to be able to do something. And Paul says, look, I know what's right, but for whatever reason, because of this sin problem, I can't do it. And then thirdly, the, 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 the inadequacy of human resolution. You can resolve all you want to. In our own power, in our own strength, we recognize from this particular passage that it is impossible for us to overcome sin. And it leaves us wondering, is there any deliverance from this struggle? And Paul tells us in verse 24, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You ought to say amen. That deliverance comes from Jesus. Now, how does that happen? How does that happen? Uh, man, I wish I need, I, need, I, need, I, need, I need somebody else up here. I need, can, can, can I use you for a second, man? Can I use you for a second? Turn the mic up. I'm just going to talk as loud as I can. Come up. Can you get, get on the stage with me? How about that? Can you get on the stage with me? All right, now, nah, I'm not going to hurt you. I promise. Okay, I promise I'm not going to hurt you. Okay, in fact, in fact, you can do me. All right? Now, now sin... Sin is kind of like uh, the chokehold. Anybody know the chokehold? Well, that's the chokehold. All right? Let's step down because I don't think this is going to work up here. So, so, so sin is kind of like the chokehold. All right? Now, now, should I do you? You sure? Okay. Come on, come on this side for me. All right. So sin is kind of like the chokehold, right? Now, he can, he, can, he can try to fight me as much as he wants to. I need you to try to fight me. Try to get loose. Try to get loose. All right? Try to get loose. Now, now watch this. Watch this. He's away a little bit, but is he fully let go? That's how sin is. Sin can lead you to think that you can defeat it on your own. But as long as it, even if it just has a little grip, it still has you. Think about the men in the chains. And you stay here. Think about the men who were in the chains, the, the, the demon-possessed men. You remember them? Remember that story? As soon as Jesus got off the lake, got off the boat, he goes over there. The Bible says, the text says, that these men were in chains. They were cutting themselves. And it said, Ellen White talks about that they, that they broke the chains. But the chains were still on them. Secular society says that, that you know, they, they, people laugh at sin, the, the idea of sin. You know, you can educate yourself out of your problems. The more knowledge you have, the more how to, or you just lack willpower. That's why you're still addicted. They miss the problem. You can be educated and be an educated fool. So sin, sin now, sin now, yeah, it, it has us in the headlock, and the headlock has you by the head because the head is controlling power with the rest of your body. It involves your thinking, which leads to your actions. So if sin has me in the headlock and I can't get loose, I can't break loose no matter what is going on in my life, there's, there, 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 there's no way that I can break, break loose, what do I need? I need help. I need, I need help from somebody who's what? Who's bigger and stronger than my opponent. Now, I see this big guy over here. 
and I need you to call him for help. What's, what's your name, brother? Marco. Marco? Marco? Yes. All right, Marco, you Jesus today. How about that? <laughs> so, Marco, I need, I, I need, I need you to call. I need, just, just reach out your hand. You reach, he, he reaching out his hand. Now, 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 now I, I believe, I believe, I believe that, that when, when, when God came, when Jesus came, you know, that the devil, you know, using our little scenario, right? Uh, he see this situation. It's not a matter of him holding tighter. It's a matter of him seeing Jesus and running. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Thank you for your, uh, for your help, man. Appreciate it. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here, here, here's the sad part. Though. Here's the sad part. It's just, oh, God. The sad part is that even though Jesus has come and break, set us free from our headlock position, some Christians are still walking around like this. As if Christ never came and died on the cross for your sins, for your addictions. Victory is found in Jesus. The second thing you must understand is the true force of the will. What you need to understand is the true force of the will. I'm reading from Self to Christ, page 47. This is the governing power in the nature of man, the power of decision or of choice. The greatest ability that God has given to humanity is the ability to choose between whom we will yield ourselves to. Everything depends on the right action of the will, the power of choice God has given to men. It is theirs to exercise. You cannot change your heart. You cannot change yourself. You cannot overcome uh, any, any addiction on your own. You cannot of yourself give to God its affections, but you can choose to serve him. You can give him your will. He will then work in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Let me wrap this up. Thus, your whole nature will be brought under the control of the spirit of Christ. Your affections will be centered upon him. Your thoughts will be in harmony with his thoughts. What I discovered in my own life is this. Even, hear me, even though my life of sin Prior to me coming to God was a life of, 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 of fornication and, and, and all these other things. I came to the cross, gave my life to Jesus. You came to the cross. You gave your heart to God. And now, now, now as you're walking with Christ, I'm encouraged to know that sanctification is the work of a lifetime. But the power of sin has been broken. And so now the ball is in my court to choose whom I yield myself to. Whatever addiction. Now, we're going to talk about it in part three. We're going to talk about some practical, practical, how-to, hands-on type of stuff. But it's, 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 it's worthless. It's, hear me. It's, it's worthless without understanding that it is Christ who gives the victory. It's worthless. In fact, Paul spends the entire first 11 chapters of the book of Romans dealing with what Christ has done 
before he tells us to do anything. Romans chapter 12. So if I'm going to wrap this up, as we wrap this up, if there's one thing I want you to take away from this uh, as, we, as we transition for, for part three is, number one, the power of sin has been, what everybody? Broken. It has been broken. And, and, and when we come back, when we come back, I, what I want to share with you is, is this. As Christians, it's easy, it's easy for us to see a promise from God and claim it. It's easy for us to see a commandment from God and seek to obey it. But it seems to be rather difficult to see a truth from God and believe it. And there are some truths that God has said about each one of us relative to our identity in who we are in Christ. If I said, just for example, if I said, if I said, how many of people here are sinners? Raise your hand. Okay. How many people here? Uh, you put your hand down. How many people here are, are saints? Raise your hand. That's the problem right there. The Bible says that you are saints. You're looking at me with the deer headlights relationship going on, but you come back this afternoon at 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, you see what I'm talking about. All right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, God, for this time together. We pray and ask for your spirit to continue to lead us and guide us and bless us and help us in our walk with you, Lord. I pray that we will know that any addiction that we struggle with, God, the power of that addiction has been broken, Lord. It's been broken. You've taken us out of the headlock position, God. And I pray that, that, that we will live accordingly. That we will live accordingly. I pray, Lord, that those whom you impress to come back for part three, Lord, will come back to receive some practical help as to how we can overcome addiction and apply the victory that you've already given us to our lives. We thank you for hearing and answering this prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at The Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.